0: We're back again for DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. I'm your host, communications manager at DDA, Evan Kelly. I think it's podcast number 32, so we're starting to add up, which is great. Today, we have a few very special guests. We're joined by Frankie James and her husband, Bill, and Frankie's sister, Teresa Hartchild. Now Frankie is a local artist and environmental activist who lives here uh, with her husband Bill and Teresa in Gastown. Her sister Teresa, who has down syndrome, is also an artist and author and is known to create an immense body of work that includes visual art and poetry. Now, however, their story does not start here in Vancouver. Now, the trio moved here several years ago after fighting with family to get Teresa out of a nursing home uh, and into the community with them. It's the subject of a new book just released by the trio called Freeing Teresa. Uh, The release also marks 10 years since Teresa was in a nursing home. Now, the release of the book also beautifully coincides with Down Syndrome Awareness Month, which is celebrated every October. Now, in a nutshell, Freeing Teresa tells the following story. When Frankie James discovers that her siblings are planning to put their younger disabled sister, Teresa Hartchild, into a nursing home after her dad could no longer care for her, Frankie objects and tries to get them to see Teresa's full potential. When they go ahead with their plan anyway, she must fight her family, the police and the medical system to save her sister. Now, the book will appeal to anyone who has experienced family bullying or shunning or faced improper treatment by the medical system. It will also appeal to activists who want to learn how Frankie and Teresa stood up to their family and the police, exposed flaws in the health care system and even won a public apology from the government. In the spirit of inclusion, there is also an audio book that will be soon available with the voice of Teresa done by American actress Lauren Potter. So there's an unbelievable amount to unpack in this. So let's get right at it. Frankie, uh, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Evan, for having it. Thank you.
0: Now, this is a heavy topic. It's obviously one that DDA is quite familiar with. Uh, in fact, your story rolls out much like our own history: fighting to get rid of institutions, fighting to keep people in the community. So, Frankie, where does this all begin for you?
1: Well, it was actually the uh, dilemma which many families will face uh, that um, that have a uh, disabled person in their family, and that was what to do, um, where can the person live uh, after their caregiver? Um, uh, can no longer care for them. And so in my my dad's case, he was getting old and uh, was, uh, I think that he was able to care for Teresa longer, but my siblings thought that he couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so we were faced with the dilemma of what to do. And their immediate response was that uh, the group homes were all full and uh, a nursing home was a uh, a reasonable solution. And when this happened, when they suggested it, I went, no, Teresa's only 49. She can't go into a nursing home. Mm-hmm. human rights, this is not the right thing to do. And uh, I did a, um, a brainstorming session uh, with them over email um, trying to get them to see Teresa's um, Possibility a uh, sort of her best future. And unfortunately, um, my uh, four other siblings um, could only come up with a nursing home as uh, the alternative that they thought was practical and reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, I opposed it every step of the way. Um, and then um, finally, when I figured that they were going to go ahead Put Teresa into a nursing home uh, I stepped forward and said that we would take Teresa and she would live with us and then uh, within days uh, they had put uh, that uh, put Teresa in a nursing home and uh, so that was very very surprising and uh, uh, I called around to get legal advice and see what we could do to help Teresa get out because she didn't want to be there. And uh, um, we, my dad was horrified that Teresa was put in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we on November 30th, 2013, we went down and we spent about four hours uh, talking with the staff and lawyers. And we managed to uh, see that Teresa could get signed out. So we brought her home, and that was wonderful and then more <laughs> ups and downs, which will be detailed in the next book <laughs>
0: <laughs> now to to be clear for listeners this was this all took place in Ontario, correct correct
1: correct yes
0: and and from from the get go Teresa didn't want to be in a nursing home
1: no, she didn't she didn't i mean nursing homes are really uh unsuitable for. Someone with Down syndrome. I mean, what would she do all day? You know. Mm-hmm. Was,
0: well, my question was, would be: Are are staff trained to deal with Down. people with developmental disabilities like Down syndrome?
1: Yes, they're they're not. And uh, I saw it as a place to um, to park Teresa, and uh, I thought that that was just horrible. It was writing off her future, and you know there was. Um, it was just limiting her opportunities for what she could do with her life. Uh, I
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean the, the the sad thing was it sounds like you said that the group homes any group home option in Ontario, at least where you were, uh, was not available. Um, yes, yeah, that that's
1: true. That's there were well, there were thousands of people ahead of Teresa mm-hmm. on the group list, but my siblings had actually um, described Teresa in such a way, and we know this from the health records, that Teresa appeared to need um, long-term care. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: she was um, described as not being able to shower herself or go to the washroom or dress herself, and uh, it it was not, uh, and needing 24-7 care. And so these things weren't true, um, as we can see from the fact that we've been able to take care of Teresa for 10 years.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So that flies in the <laughs> face of what everybody else was saying.
1: Yes. Well, well one of
2: the things that, uh, you know, one of the problems with the way it was managed is that the siblings who were the powers of attorney, so the people who control they said they controlled Teresa's future, mm-hmm. which is in the, under debate. But anyways, from their point of view, that they felt they had total power to control Teresa. And they didn't consult or consider Teresa's opinion at all. They didn't even ask her hmm. why if she wanted to go there. And then once it became obvious that they wanted to do it, Frankie invited her dad and Teresa, who were living together still. And yep. she said, Dad, all her life and said, What do you guys want to do? And they both said, well, we want to stay in the condo, which was Dad's condo. You know, Dad said they were making enough money and everything was fine. You know, financially, they could do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was, they had no intention and no desire to be separated or for Teresa to go to a long-term care home. But unfortunately, uh, the other guys thought that it didn't really matter what they thought, what Teresa thought or what her father thought. It was really as the power of attorney they could make all the decisions. And so they decided to put Teresa in a nursing home without even asking her or without getting her consent.
1: Yes, but there are certain steps that have to be followed in order to get someone into a nursing home. Right. Uh, one was that um, a social worker interviewed Teresa at one of my sister's homes, and Teresa didn't answer the questions um, properly.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Uh, the social worker ticked the box that said that Teresa was not capable. So her right side where she lived was taken away on that day in September 2013, months before she was actually put into the nursing home in November of 2013.
0: Literally by the stroke of a pen.
1: Yes, that's right. And so and the, the thing is that even if Teresa had um, been put into uh, a group home after this um, uh, experience with a long term care she wouldn't have uh it wouldn't have been one that suited her well uh, because her health profile um, was described in such a way that she needed twenty four seven care. and she would have no choice about going there because her right to choose had been taken away mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Now,
0: that that brings me to another point. Uh, The disability community often uh, champions the phrase, nothing about us without us. We hear that a lot, of course. Uh, This, of course, means people that in that community need to have a say in any decision, rules, regulations, whatever that affects their lives. Now, do you feel your siblings did not use this approach?
1: Unfortunately, they didn't use that approach at all. Um, They didn't respect uh, Teresa's opinion, uh, and she was not involved in planning her future. And it's so different how Teresa is now involved in every step of her planning for her future with us here in BC.
0: Well, a, a quick look at her her little website is <laughs> is a clear indication of that. Seems to be living life to the fullest, you know.
1: Thank you, yes.
2: Well, certainly the people in BC have been very supportive. When we came here with Teresa, uh, Teresa was our really our lead contact. We didn't know that many people. Mm -hmm. But we got introduced to a lot of people in the disability community. And that's where we learned, you know, all this stuff. And the people in BC, especially in the disability community, have treated us so well and shown us how to get the most out of Teresa. So it's fantastic being
1: here. And in, in, in BC, they have um, the, um, uh, what's, what's representation. the representation agreement, which is supported decision-making for all sorts of people, but mm-hmm. it really works well for people with intellectual disabilities, um, whereas in Ontario, they have power of attorney. And it's a much more patriarchal uh, style of care. Um, it takes the decision making away from the person with a disability, whereas in BC we support the person with a
0: disability. Absolutely, that's I mean that's that's DDA's mantra through and through. They've got their own lives, they've got their own potential, they can make their own decisions. You know, and that's that's been the fight that BC that DDA has been through since since we started in 1952. Oh wow. yeah, you know, and uh, and and we have group homes as you probably know. We've got 19 group homes. Uh, and, and they are, they're nothing like an institution. They're nothing like a nursing home that it is their home. They go and they can lie on their couch, watch your TV, do whatever they want, you know, and it's just a a wonderful lifestyle. And they literally stay with us for decades because that becomes their home.
1: That's That's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Um, Now, what, I mean, if, if your family had adopted that approach, would this just all have been different? Would you even be out here on the coast?
1: Probably not. <laughs> uh, I, uh, it, it, it was so unnecessary, um, This uh, the way that Teresa was treated. I was horrified. But the thing is that I was a witness to what was going on. And if I hadn't stepped forward to help her extricate herself from this situation, she wouldn't have gotten out. So I think that people have to understand that they um, can play an important role in the life of a person with a disability. If they see something that's going on that they don't think is right, that is against their, that person's you know, um, human rights, you can step forward and say something.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you're right about the fight with your family. Um, that could not have been an easy process. You sent me an excerpt from the book talking about uh, how police were involved. and uh, like, uh, How did that end up for you as a family?
1: Well, unfortunately, uh, my siblings have never recognized uh, Teresa's accomplishments. The fact that she's published two books, she's won a Human Rights Award, she's gotten an apology from... The Ontario government. None of that has been recognized by my family. It's, um, it's really unfortunate. They want to put. Um, they don't want to talk about it, but I do want to talk about it, which is why I've written the book. And mm-hmm. um, we're using pseudonyms so that uh, we can hopefully uh, tell this story to um, to people and and help them uh to make change.
0: And at this at this point do you i uh, uh, i is, is your is your family still fractured over this?
1: Totally. Wow. <laughs> totally. I'm uh yeah, I'm not in contact with them uh, other than to um yeah, really we
2: send them newsletters uh of true annual annual report on Truth's uh financial situation. Yeah. So uh, we send them letters, but they don't respond. Do
0: they support Teresa in any other way?
1: Um, Well, I don't know if we want to um, go into this, but we actually had to sue the estate to get support for Teresa. Mm. So my dad died in 2016, and Mm. we had to sue the estate in order to get... It was actually
2: the public guardian and trustee in Ontario that uh, advocated on Teresa's behalf so that she got her proper share because the other people didn't want to give it to her. But nice. on, on note that before the trouble started, the family was indeed very supportive of Teresa. And, you know, everyone in the larger family, the Frankie's family was very large. You know, she has so many siblings and they all had kids. And everyone was doing something with Teresa. So it was kind of a surprise that it turned out so badly. Mm-hmm. And did think that a uh, group home would have been a great solution for uh, Teresa, you know, once Dad was unable to take care of her. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, the other people who were sort of the decision makers, they considered that option to be unattainable. And then they came up with this plan to put her in a nursing home as a crisis placement and that's where everything went wrong yeah and the family has never recovered from uh from this trauma
0: yeah it's and it's one of those things where you know i'm sort of on the outside uh looking at that and it's like it's it's hard to avoid the feeling of a group of people wanting to wash their hands of it in a sense but that might be too heavy-handed on my part given that you just said that she was really really supportive supported by her family and to, but then to see it go sideways like that like how do you how do you make sense of that
2: you can only really go on by by what they said and what they did so for example after dad and had uh, signed trees out of the nursing home on november 30th because he said he was totally opposed to it mm-hmm. it was kind of a surprise attack on him but because he was her father and we went down to the hospital uh, and, and he was listed as the senior power of attorney, so they signed, signed her out and they talked to the CEO. So it was all properly done. Mm-hmm. What the response that the other siblings uh, had is that they, they called the police. And this was ridiculous because, you know, you don't... Uh, there's no reason to call the police. They could have just phoned us and came over, but they threatened to call the police, and then the police actually showed up. So that was a very, um, you know, hostile response. Yeah. And they said things that explained you remember some of the things they said?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Like uh, my sister who I call Siobhan in um books, mm-hmm. the book. Uh yep. says that uh that a nursing home would be better than a group home because they couldn't send her back. Right. Right. And uh so I could not believe that.
0: Yeah, um, it it really does sound like let's let's uh, let's lock her up and forget about her. It's probably yeah. not that from that point of view, but it's but it feels like that sometimes, you know. I,
1: but, you know, if they were um, participating in this uh, conversation, then they would say that they uh, had um, care for Teresa, roof over her head, and food in her belly for the rest of her life. And why was Frankie James upsetting the apple
0: cart? <laughs> well, because there's a lot more to it than just that. <laughs> yeah. And I think you've proven that. I mean, and 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 they have—they have not said anything about her accomplishments to you?
1: No, they haven't. No, no it, it took uh, They're seven really years. In
2: it took seven years for them to even give uh, any money because they used to—they controlled Dad's property while he was alive, mm-hmm. and then instead they controlled the state they refused to provide any support to Teresa for seven years and so they were very and they don't they had this this positioning you know that Teresa needed to be in long-term care and they put a lot of effort into making that happen and they somehow didn't want to admit I guess that they were wrong that Teresa doesn't need 24 hours she's perfectly capable of living in the community and she's a very creative and happy person and she deserves to have a life, you know, doing what she wants. But that doesn't fit with their worldview or something. So they, they kind of just don't want to talk to us. <laughs> yes. No.
0: It's, you know, it, 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 on one hand, it's, it's, you know, freeing Teresa. She, she's free to do as she, she pleases, which is, a, 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 you know, a wonderful story in itself. But then there's this, this big sadness, I feel, that, that's a part of this book.
1: Yes. But you know, the thing is that I'm I'm recalling other books that I've read. Say there's one by Mary Johnson, um, which is entitled Make Them Go Away. And um in her book she talks about how families so often are active in actually putting their disabled family member away so they don't have to worry about them anymore.
0: Mhm. It's just a matter of, you know, people, people with disabilities can reach their potential. They just need a little support. That's it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, to, I mean, the thing is that I always think of um, that we should put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. And none of my siblings would have wanted to be in a long-term care home. None of them.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: why did they think that this was okay for Teresa? Why did she have less rights than any of us? to enjoy her life. And, oh, exactly. You know, that's really the starting point that I had. I just I wouldn't do it for myself and I wouldn't do it for Teresa.
0: Mm-hmm. And so let's go back again. Why did you decide to write a book about it?
1: Well, it's changed my life, this whole experience of having to help Teresa to get free and um the uh, I'm a lot closer to her now than I was previously and I, I think that it's an important story uh, that can help people if they um, you know if they can uh, read it and learn about uh, what happened in our family
0: now how long did this process take to get this published
1: um, well, let me see. We've <laughs> really been writing the book for three years. Okay. But prior to that, I was trying to write the book, but it was very difficult to come to terms with what happened. And uh, <clears throat> at the time when the events were unfolding, uh, I made a record because I could not believe what was going on and what was happening And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to make a record because this doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) And I just have to have something so I can stand back and see if this is really um, as bad as it was, (laughs) and it was.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Things like uh, record phone calls and and photograph and video. We presented, uh, Teresa and I presented um, the situation. Uh, in January 2014, we went before the uh, Select Committee on Developmental Services to tell them what had happened to Teresa and how she'd been put in a nursing home against her will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the members of Parliament were shocked by the story. And But their mandate was not to fix individual problems. It was the whole systemic issues. And so um you know they it was woven into their final report um that uh people with developmental dis- disabilities are being put in long term care without any medical need and uh no training on behalf of the um staff, and that they shouldn't be there. It
0: sounds archaic,
1: yeah. But I was really glad that Teresa and I were there to present the her case, and that was in 2014. Um, Yet yeah, it, it, you know, it didn't actually. Um, uh, we didn't get an apology from the government until 2016.
0: Can you tell me a bit about that apology?
1: Well, we um, Teresa had uh, recorded a, a video. Uh, and started a petition on change.org asking for an apology from the uh, system, so from the nursing home and from the uh, care agency and the government. And we got over 25,000 signatures, Mm. really amazing support. And there's just an outpouring of you know uh, of comments about what had happened and and how the system had to change and yet Teresa didn't get an apology from that and so we had to try other things so what we did is we went to uh, BC Civil liberties and we asked them to write a letter and they wrote a great letter mm-hmm. um, stated clearly that uh, you know the the uh, Ontario Appears to have to be um, uh, count you know counseling uh, you know putting people with uh, intellectual disabilities into long term care and that this is against human rights and and said so what they said this is a better quote we are gravely concerned that the government through its actions appears to condone the forced placement and mistreatment of developmentally dis- disabled adults. And the Ontario Minister of Health responded um, by apologizing, publicly apologizing to Teresa when I got that letter. Now that letter was also signed by uh, six organizations, um, disability organizations, which was great.
2: Mm. So really
1: the groundswell of support to get an apology for Teresa's wrongful placement uh, really made a huge difference. And then Teresa herself, she watched it on TV, she was pleased to get the um, the apology from the government, but nobody sent her a letter. So she wrote a letter herself to uh, the government and said, you know, asked if he'd forgotten, if the minister else had forgotten to uh, write her a letter. <laughs> and she actually got letters back from the minister. It was great.
0: Good. Now, um, so what did you learn in this process, in the in the living and the writing of freeing Teresa? Uh,
1: I've learned an awful lot. Uh, I've learned, I think, the importance of uh, an individual standing up to the group. So I firmly believed that what was happening tr- to Teresa was wrong, and every it, it would seem that the rest of my family firmly believed that they were doing the right thing. And, um, you know, I just had to go um, by what I believed. And um, I believed in Teresa and I believed in her uh, potential and that uh, we had to make sure that she um, got out of the nursing home and had a full and uh, and fun life.
2: And we've learned a lot about Teresa herself and and in that way about just people with disabilities that you know there's just way more different ways of seeing the world and, and acting and people are you know people tend to be very judgmental about people oh of course and it's much better if you just look and listen and accept people as they are and you'll suddenly find that you're learning and doing things that maybe you never thought you'd do before but they're fantastic And yeah, that has opened the door for us. Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely. And one, you know, one of the things that we try to inspire even the community to to do is is uh, stop infantilizing uh, people with developmental disabilities. You know, Therese is an adult. I just went down today to um, there's another organization here in BC called Possibilities. Uh, every year they have their annual inclusion art show and DDA actually we have a very very robust art program run by a woman by the name of uh, Kim Allman a very very talented and lovely lady Um, and and so they have this this art show and we have 23 of our artists go down there and everything's for sale and I and I was just walking around there and I'm just like blown away blown away about the quality of the art the techniques involved and just the ability and the vision of, of people with developmental disabilities, it's you know you know people just need to come down and take a look, and and uh, you know reintroduce yourself to this community because it's big, it's vibrant, and they're just full of amazing people.
2: Exactly.
1: Yes. The other thing that's really important to help people to understand is that um, Teresa was really the tip of the iceberg. This happens to thousands of people in uh, across Canada and in the United States and around the world. It's a massive human rights violation that people with developmental disabilities are being put into nursing homes. Mm-hmm. So that, and um, the new institutions that governments can pat themselves on the back. and says we we've closed all the mental institutions, but. What's happened is that um, the nursing homes are taking um, people with developmental disabilities when they—it's uh, not the right thing. That they—they should be living in the community.
0: So the 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 institution gets a bit of a rebrand, you'd say.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, um, you, you've written another book called "Dear Office Politics." Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about that, Frankie, and how does that relate to freeing Teresa?
1: Um, so that's an ethics game, and uh, it's—I uh, wrote it in, published in 2009, and uh, I, it, it's um, a, a book of letters, but um, they're ethical dilemmas, so that uh, to help people if they're sort of these ethical dilemmas in life, in real life, well, they practice them in advance uh, through this game. And it's a lot of fun. So I have a quadrant of four ethical questions for any dilemma. And uh, one of them is the TV news test. Um, so in your, your solution for an ethical dilemma, um, is it going to sound good on the TV news? Um, The second one is uh, putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Um, Are you actually doing that through your solution? And uh, a company's best interest or a person's best interest, are you doing something that's really in their best interest? And lastly, uh, uh, the power analysis. Who has the power? Now, in, in the case of um, Teresa's situation, my siblings, who were acting as guardians, um, or ostensibly like guardians, um, appeared to have all of the power. But mm-hmm. we see that actually by speaking up, we do have power. We have a different type of power. But we do have power. So, uh it's interesting to do a power analysis on any situation and uh, come up with uh, different solutions.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, is that book, why did you write that particular book?
1: Um, we have a site, we started the site in 2000 called um, Office Politics. And uh, I, uh, it was originally a game, which was a lot of fun. Um, but the, what we noticed was that letters were coming in from all over the world about real problems with office politics. And I assembled a team of experts to answer the questions that came into the site. And so that this, this book is um, a combination of the letters from the experts the dilemmas that sort have of come in oh, and then uh, quadrant um, the game format so that if if the three of us were playing we would read any of these letters and one of us would be the person seeking advice and the two um, others would be the people giving advice. One thing
2: about the office politics book is that it's really about people who have problems at the office so it can be a simple thing like someone's not cleaning up on the dishes. You know, what should I do? You know, or someone's wearing too much perfume or it could be more like, geez, I think that what these guys doing is illegal. Should we go ahead? Or this is, you know, they're putting poison in our product or something. So there's a mm-hmm. all kinds of range of social questions. And the whole idea of the game in the book is people to exercise their ethical muscles. So back to a crisis situation, mm-hmm. they know how to make a good decision. And Teresa's uh, crisis came up, and you know when Frankie's looking at this, she would say, "Did my siblings and did I make the right decision?" You know the decision could have been for Frankie to say, "Okay, well, my siblings have the power. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm just going to shrug my shoulders and let it go." Mm-hmm. But she just couldn't do it. She just had inside herself, she was saying, "This is wrong, and this is wrong for Teresa." It's not in her best interest, and if I was treated, wouldn't like it. So she felt compelled, and she'd sort of been prepared in some ways for these kind of difficult situations. Because they come up in everyone's life. You know, the family is all happy and everything, and then something goes wrong, and suddenly you're on the firing line, and you've got to make a big, life-changing decision. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to us. We were faced with a life-changing decision, and Teresa was in a precarious situation. And you have to decide, is, where do I go?
0: Yeah, it's, it, you know, when I look at those, you know, those, those four tests, the TV news test, the other person's, the empathy test, power analysis, and, and you know, is it in the, like you say the company's or, or Teresa's uh, best interest? Could your, could your siblings, Frankie, just not look at that and go, well, the answer's right in front of us?
2: But I think the siblings, the siblings have their own perspective, right? And this is an interesting thing, you know, about diversity. There's all kinds of diversity in the world, and people mm-hmm. have different ways of looking at things. Absolutely. And one of the ways that you know, they look at it is from financial responsibility.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is a financial thing. What should we do that's in the best financial interest of the family? And that's important, you know, and everyone, every family has to deal with that. You can't ignore finances. But those kind of decisions can sometimes justify when you don't look at all the issues on the plate, right? So they can say by getting Teresa into government-funded nursing homes and also just, it's, it's financially responsible. It's a good thing to do. And Teresa has government funding. We don't want to jeopardize that by giving her any money. So they start thinking like that, and it sounds very proper and logical and okay. But, you know, there's a whole other side of the picture, like what does truth really need, et cetera, and that's maybe things that they didn't consider as much as, as they should have. Mm-hmm. Well, the
1: humanity, in fact, none of them would want to be in a
2: nursing home. Right. So, yeah, they didn't look at it, you know, they didn't look at it that way. They just, but they thought, I'm sure that they thought and they still think that they were doing the right thing.
0: Uh, yeah, and exactly, you know, and I'm, I'm certain, we're, I don't think we're, anybody's here trying to paint them as bad people at all. It's, you know, they're, they think they're doing the right thing to themselves, but uh, it it also seems like they may have wanted to do the easiest thing. Is there truth in that, do you think?
1: Uh, I I think that uh, we have to listen to what they said and my sister Siobhan said that she didn't want to be the point person for Teresa and that it would be far too much work for the family to take care of her if she lived in the community.
0: Well and and again I think that seems like something you're proving incorrect.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know.
0: So now this book uh I guess is the third part of a trilogy. Was is the the deer office politics part of that tril- trilogy, or is that something no, different?
1: No, 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 no. the the trilogy for freeing Teresa will be this is book one. Okay. And um, now these are working titles. Um, our second book is Escape to Lotus Land. <laughs> That's
2: when we come to DC. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yes, and our third book is Circle of Eyes. Because that's really what it took to uh, get uh, the apology for Teresa.
2: And one of the interesting things about the, the three book series is the first book, Teresa is um, the center of attention, but she doesn't have a, a loud, uh, a very strong voice mm-hmm. cause she's basically dismissed by you know most of the family. However, in the second book, then she finds her voice and. We give her a platform where she does the change.org and, you know, gets a petition with 26,000 signatures, 25,000. So uh, the evolution of Teresa is really an interesting part, and she becomes much more colorful. She becomes to art. You look at tr- pictures of Teresa in the first book, she's wearing dark brown and uh, beige-colored stuff, and then by the end of it, she's wearing these multicolored outfits, tie-dyes, and yes. <laughs> having the total fun <laughs> and she's way more confident than she was now and like she's very assertive
0: oh you can see that in the great. pictures
1: <laughs> yes
0: uh so those two those those next two par- parts haven't been written when do you when do you expect to have those done by
1: well um we've actually finished the uh the second part oh good um uh, polishing of course um and uh uh, I and mean, I think we've got a good uh, good start on the third book.
2: We're about halfway to the third book. So the yeah. second
1: book will come out
2: in t- uh, 2024. Yeah. And then the third book will come out after that, hopefully by the end of the year.
0: And then you shop around for movie rights, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <for sure.
0: laughs> You two are obviously very staunch um uh, Advocates for this community, uh, you know. Apart from writing books, what's uh, what's your what's next for your advocacy?
1: I think we're going to be quite busy um, finishing the two <laughs> more books, <laughs> you know, and uh, getting the word out about this one. So uh, there's a lot to do.
0: Now, are these self-published through Amazon? That you can order it and you get like a the uh, the paperback copy kind of thing. Uh,
2: yeah, we publish with uh, Samizat Health Writers Cooperative,
0: okay. and
2: uh, it's through Amazon KDP. Gotcha, and in our own company, but you, we we're also doing it through Ingram Spark, so that it will be available in bookstores and libraries and that kind of thing.
0: Oh, fantastic! And uh, the the audio version is expected in a, in a few weeks, I guess, or probably a
2: month. Our, my personal goal is to get it by December 1st, which is to be the uh, the actual... Uh, uh, day that Tracy moved in. Yes. Mm-hmm. With us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the interesting things about the books is Frankie was, because of her environmental activism and her campaign, you know, she was really uh, a journalist when this thing was happening. Mm-hmm. So she was and we documented everything, and there's videos. And all those notes, like there's footnotes at the end, you know, explain this conversation happened on this day. It's very, very specific, and uh, so it's kind of in some ways it's like a bit of a who done it in a way because you know what's going to happen, but you kind of wonder why. You know, why done it?
1: why it? Yes. Yeah. Sort of why done?
2: No done
0: Well, uh, I applaud you both. Is there anything else you'd want to want to add, or to today, or to order, you know, to say to families who are in a similar
2: situation? Use your best judgment at all times and, and think about you know, the best possible world because that's where we should always be in, because it's easy to go wrong. But it's if you make if you want to go right you can. It's not as hard as people think. It's just you just have to decide which way you want to go.
0: And I think it's, you know, obviously important to to keep in mind that these are, you know, people may have developmental disabilities but they are human beings and they needed to be treated with the same level of respect.
1: Yes, and so I think the important thing is that, um, you know, be up. Don't be afraid to stand up. And uh, each of us can make a huge difference in the lives of, um, of other people by speaking up.
0: I think it's just that simple, Frankie. So you have been listening to DDA's Encouraging Abilities podcast. Today we are joined by authors Frankie James, uh, her sister Teresa Hartchild, and Frankie's husband Bill. We've been talking about uh, their new book called Freeing Teresa, about Frankie's fight to keep her sister Teresa out of a nursing home and stay with her in the community. It's an endearing story, one that DDA is all too familiar with, and one that we've been advocating for since 1952. People with developmental disabilities need to stay in the community and not shut away. Once again, freeing Teresa can be found on Amazon, and an audio version will be hopefully available around Christmas time. Frank, uh, Frankie, and Bill, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Wonderful, thank
0: you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.